Should you seek investment? And if you should seek investment, what should you go after? And how can you make yourself look good to an acquisition partner or an invest partner? How can you make sure that you're approaching with the right pitch? And what should you say? And should you be honest about this or that? There's a lot of questions when you're seeking funding. Fortunately, Joe Darmani from Thomson Reuters Ventures, he's an investor and he invests in all sorts of different great early stage SaaS companies. He lays out exactly what he looks for and what you can do in your company to make yourself look fantastic to an investor. There are specific things he talks about here that if you're looking for investment, you're going to want to hear them. Check this one out. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. And welcome to Scale Your SaaS. Very glad to have you here. Thank you very much for being here. Super excited about today. It's going to be a really fun one. By the way, if this is your first time here, our goal is to help you scale your SaaS, do exactly what the show says. So we're going to talk to you all about different ways to grow your lead volume, to close more deals, to set up your company for success, and to get to your ultimate goal. And today, one of those ways of doing that is going to be with Joe. Joe Dormani is with us. I'm super excited about it. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Super excited to be here and excited about the conversation. Me too. So let me know, uh, or let me uh, make sure everybody knows about you, Joe. So I'm going to do a little intro for you. So Joe is a partner at Thomson Reuters Ventures. And really, he's currently an investment partner there. They, it's a $100 million corporate venture fund where he leads a team of global investors. And really, as an investor himself, Joe specializes in machine learning, enterprise automation, and vertical SaaS startups, something that a lot of us here listening to this are definitely keyed in on. Joe has led over a dozen startup investments, M&A deals valued in the hundreds of millions, also driven strategy for multi-billion dollar organizations, and helped scale high growth software products. Joe's passion for promising technology sees him as an active member of the New York tech environment, where he serves as an advisor to several incubators and early stage startups. And I am super excited that he's taken time to join us. So Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about Thomson Reuters Ventures and and what we're looking at in the markets. Perfect. So tell me, what have you been up to lately and what's coming up for you guys? Yeah, great. So thanks again for the introduction to Thomson Reuters Ventures. So yeah, a lot of what we focus on is in the Series A stage for for startup investing. So, you know, after initial financing, but before some of the later stage, you know, financing deals that happen. So we're looking at companies that are 1 million to 5 million in ARR. We're, we're looking, uh, you know, a couple of specific areas that align to the focus areas of the corporation. So we're very big on legal tech. We focus a lot on tax software. Um, risk, compliance, automation, fraud prevention, detection. We do a little bit in news and media. Everyone knows, you know, Reuters, the, the news business. Um, but our, our main sort of thematic focus across the markets that we focus on are machine learning, natural language processing, and like you said, task and process automation. So really that sweet spot of this, the Series A company that has, you know, really good uh, product market fit and is starting to really turn on the, the sales and, and go to market function and, and start to, starting to scale that business, build out their product and, and really take market share. Um, and, a, and a big part of what we like to do when we make investments, when we look at companies that we work with, we have like a leg still in the sort of operating world. 
mm-hmm. as part of a, you know the corporation that we're, we're part of, Thomson Reuters. So we like to get involved with the companies that we work with. You know, we like to see what we can do. You know, whether that be a partnership or an, an integration, or if there are uh, you know experts uh, or, or you know professionals in our network or in our businesses. Uh, that can help bring the, that expertise to the companies we invest in to help accelerate them. You know, we, we like to roll our sleeves up and, and get involved with the companies we work, we invest in. I love that. I think that's super valuable. And myself as a former founder of software and current founder, I guess, it's so nice when you have an investment partner who's able to come in and kind of give you some of their their capabilities and their, their background experience so it can help you grow. And the money is one thing, but having that that knowledge and that inside, those connections, even the, the, that that capability to help you scale is so critical. And I'm sure that that uh, your investments they love it. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a big part of you know how we pitch and how we differentiate ourselves. We we focus very specifically on those markets that I talked about, and you know like in those markets. Thomson Reuters as a brand, we have really good uh, reputation with our customers and we have a really, really good relationships with our customers. We're very much a trusted partner to a lot of our customers and a lot of what they lean on us to do besides just, you know, buying the products that we we buy is help them navigate all of the industry complexity, whether that be, you know, things like regulatory changes or whether that be, you know, a dynamic technology environment where things are rapidly developing, new companies are popping up and they they do rely on us to help them navigate, you know, that new startup landscape, help them try new types of technology. So, you know, it's a really uh, critical position for us and and you know, it's advantageous for our customers, it's also advantageous for us as a fund, but it's, you know, importantly uh also advantageous for the companies we investment uh, invest with. They get access to, to customers uh, that they maybe wouldn't, maybe would take longer time uh, to, to access otherwise. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. You yourself, how did you develop a skill and passion for investing in tech? Where do you get this love? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I often hear you know stories about how how people get into venture, and I'm always like somewhat somewhat jealous and also somewhat intrigued by by others story my my story is is kind of a a 10 year slog of just trying to um you know pick up all the skills and do all the things that need to be done to to be able to participate in in this in this ecosystem so i i sort of started my career on the startup side of the world and you know, very early on into my career, the company that I was working for got acquired. And that was really my first introduction to this world of where like, oh, companies get invested in and then bought and sold all the time. And I, I kind of fell in love with that world. And I was like, okay, I got to do all the things that you got to do to become, you know, part of this venture capital industry. So, you know, I, I spent time learning about product and technology, spent time, you know, on, on financing, uh, you know, did the MBA thing, went back to school and then you know, joined Thomson Reuters in this post MBA rotational program. So I got, I was very fortunate to work in corporate development. I was very fortunate to work in go to market strategy. And then I, I landed in sort of the product tech world for a number of years, kind of worked my thre- worked my way through to the corporate strategy side of the world, did a bunch of MA for the, for the corporation. And then when it came time, you know, for them to launch a fund, you know, I had also been working with a lot of incubators in New York, getting on startup advisory boards, kind of doing what I could do to interact with different companies in and around New York and just trying to you know add value where I could. And by the time TR was ready to launch their fund, um, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I was, you know, really well positioned. They really couldn't tell me no, um, you know, at that point. And so I'm, you know, lucky enough to, you know, spin the fund up, you know, get us, get us started, 
you know, we brought on our managing director, Tamara Steffens, who used to run Microsoft Ventures, uh, M12. And so between her and myself and, you know, our chief product officer, David Wong, and, and our chief strategy officer, Dave Larson, you know, we have a really well-rounded investment committee. And, and now we have a, a team of a couple of investors in, in New York. So, you know, it kind of took this long, long journey to, to get here. But, uh, you know, I was very fortunate uh, along the way to pick up, you know, a lot of different skills that I think serve pretty well. When thinking about you know direct investments in, in early stage companies, and and really we think of ourselves, and I think of myself as, as a company builder as well, um, and and bringing those operational skills to to the to the companies we invest in, I think is a big benefit from for, for working with us. You said you're fortunate. I actually think you did a great job. This is something that that others need to follow more. Early on, you kind of identified exactly where you wanted to be and you realized what you needed to do to get there. And so you went out, got the experience, went out, got the education and did what you needed to do. So like you said, when there was an opportunity, they couldn't say no. You had every piece of the puzzle that, that was needed. And I think that's not only the way to get the job, but now it makes you somebody who's extremely capable and extremely powerful within your role. So for everybody out there who's saying, Hey, I wish I could do this, wish you could do this, follow Joe's lead and set your goal and then go out and get it. And I, I absolutely love that. So Joe, tell me, how does a company know you're a SaaS company, you're a SaaS leader, you're a founder. How does that founder know that they should go out and get investment or should they try and stay bootstrapped? When, what would be some of your advice to somebody who's thinking like that? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great question and it's a, it's a it's a nuanced question which I which I love. The way I think about these things is is you got to sort of turn that question around uh, on its head a little bit. And 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 the way that I think about fundraising is it you should have an idea of where you want your business to be over a certain period of time. You have to have some foresight. You have to understand the market. You have to understand the product the problem you're solving. You have to have an idea of what. Maybe maybe it's not a permanent end state, but maybe it's a mile, you know, a big milestone for for an end state uh, where you want your product and business to be, and you have to work back from that is mm -hmm. the way that I always think about it. So, um, and and having an idea of what you're trying to achieve uh, can help dictate how you think about fundraising, how you think about the milestones that you want to set yourself from an operational standpoint to be able to hit to justify mm -hmm. that that funding, like. Every company does not need to raise venture capital. I, I actually think there, there are many companies that can just be lifestyle business, can stay bootstrapped, and it would be disadvantageous to take on uh, venture capital specifically to, uh, to, to a business that maybe doesn't really have the aspiration or want or need to mm -hmm. rapidly scale or rapidly go out and capture, capture mar market share. So... It, it really is about identifying what, what you're trying to, to achieve over a certain period of time and working back from that. So if, if you feel like you're building a product in a market that has a bunch of opportunity and you really need funding to go out and capture that opportunity and, you know, that opportunity feels somewhat time bound, you know, those are some of the characteristics where it starts to make sense to go out and raise venture financing because with venture financing, uh, you know, the expectation is that there will be this sort of rapid growth, this, you know, and, and it doesn't necessarily only have to be revenue, right? It could be other sort of growth metrics, but, you know, usage, you know, um, uh, all, all different types of ways that we would be able to measure whether or not a product has product market fit. But so like when we think about uh, what, what is a good circumstance to go raise venture capital, it's when, when you have a pretty good definitive idea about what you're trying to achieve with a certain amount of money 
and where you have pretty good line of sight into what you might want to achieve from a development side organizationally, maybe, you know, scaling a go-to-market team or, you know, getting technologists or data scientists to build out the next, you know, set of capabilities from an infrastructure standpoint. So it really should be dictated by that end state that you can clearly define, articulate, and then ultimately justify from a sort of thesis standpoint. And then, you know, like I said, work, working back from that, you know, what, what are the things that you're going to use that capital for and, and achieve by raising that funding so that you can give confidence to to investors that you're you're going to be able to execute on on that end state. I think those are those are some of some of the conditions that I that I like to think about. We'll be right back. Scale your SaaS is supported by ToroWave. Lots of software leaders I talk to are looking to scale their SaaS. And I keep hearing over and over about one major struggle, getting ghosted by buyers after the demo. How frustrating is it? When you have a great demo, you're feeling good, they like it, it seems like a done deal, and then crickets, nothing. You reach out, they're not responding to you at all. And when these software companies, they ask me to dive in, I notice that these sellers are following up the wrong way, or actually I should say with the wrong medium. What they're doing is they're hammering emails over and and over again. I got a newsflash for you. Email effectiveness is dwindling down and down every year. So why beat your head against the wall losing all kinds of business? Start texting, mix in texts along with emails and calls and watch your conversion rates go up. In fact, conversion rates go up by about 50% when you use texting as part of the follow-up. People are used to it. And did you know the response rate on texts is 98%, 98%. So why throw emails into a a black hole knowing that they're never going to get returned. Text buyers and get results. But don't use your own phone. All kinds of security and compliance issues if you do. Also, none of that data is with your company. That's not good. Instead, use this system ToroWave. ToroWave is designed for sales. It makes texting with buyers super simple and fast, and it helps drive more deals. Deals that you've been losing until now. For being a listener, you get 50% off your first month of using ToroWave. 50% off. Just go to ToroWave.com slash scale. That's T-O-R-O O-W-A-V-E.com slash scale. Get signed up and start winning more deals like Tracy, who closed $170,000 in three days after starting. Again, go to ToroWave.com slash scale. Catch up and win by texting with ToroWave. And we're back. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I would echo that based on what I've seen also with my clients and even in my career. What I want to ask then is, okay, so let's say they make that decision and they say, okay, it is right. Let's go find some funding. How can a, a leader or a set of leaders for a software company set themselves up for success that will make them and their company more attractive to investment? Yeah. And and you know, it's, it's another one that can come up through... You know, there's a lot of angles to, to answer that question. But I think it, it largely builds off the last couple of points that I was making, which are, um, I think I think you have to have a really good uh, story for why you're building the company. Uh, some of the things that make make an attractive company are having the right leaders in place who understand the market that they're going after and understand the business that they're building, so that they're well qualified to go and build that company, that product, and, mm. and build that business in that market. Uh, being able to explain that story, being able to explain the market that they're operating in, why it's a big market, why the dynamics of the market dictate that now is the right time to be building this company, um, why the 
product that they have developed is differentiated and has the ability to sustain that differentiation over a long period of time. You have to be able to not only tell that story and explain a lot of those things, but you also have to be able to demonstrate an ability to execute on the things that you say that you're going to going to go do. And the best way, what, what I always get most excited about is when a founder can tell me, look, over the last six months, we've said we were going to get from you know 250K to 750K in ARR. And we did that. We said we were going to hire three engineers and build four features over the mm-hmm. last nine months. We, we did that. And we hired two go-to-market people, one on the sales side, one on, on the marketing side. They're going to drive XYZ top of funnel and you know uh, ABC uh, in, in new sales ARR. And, and we did that. So that's my track record in this company. Right. And it, you know, I'm just giving examples. It doesn't have to be those, those aren't, you know, those don't have to be those metrics or those things. It, it's sure. really any set of things that can give the investor confidence that when you say, if you invest in me, uh, I'm going to build this business and scale it to 5 million in ARR over the next 24 months. And I only need however much the funding round is, is they're, they're asking for to go do that. Uh, so, to me, the the way to gain credibility is to have that really strong story surrounded by uh, you know demonstrable track record for things that you that you've achieved, and they don't have to be these like amazing things that maybe are super hard to achieve. They can just be. We had an idea six months ago. We have POC today, right? Mm. So it, it really you know depending on the the size and stage of, of a startup, like. You know, it can be a variety of different things that you can use to demonstrate your track record and then, you know, why it makes sense for you to raise a certain amount of financing and, and what you're going to go do with that funds. But really telling that story around, you know, how you're going to execute, what you're going to do with the investment, why this market is interesting, why you're uniquely positioned to go execute on it. You know, those are some of the key ingredients that I think of that for like the successful companies that we invest in, like those are those are all generally present. I love it. I, I I think it's so important. I I I really respect that because it's such a great look at it. I mean, so many times we say we're going to do something and then it doesn't happen. If you can show, if you can demonstrate that you can execute, that you can actually deliver, I mean, that's got to be super attractive to an investor to see that they had these plans, they went out, they did exactly what was needed, they made it happen. Now they've got these plans. I have a lot of belief and trust that they can go make that happen too. I mean. That's got to feel great as an investor to see that history of ex- execution. Yeah, it, it is great. And it also helps bring clarity. I, I, I think oftentimes when, when we're trying to frame up an investment, it's, it's not trying to pr- predict what is going to happen. It's more so identifying a set of conditions on what you sort of need to believe and identifying where the risks are to, to that thesis, mm-hmm. right? And if you can help an investor bring clarity to that to those points. I think you either get to a quick no, which is almost just as good, or you you give you help them get the conviction for for a yes. Love it. So tell me, what are some of the early mistakes companies are making that are making them not a good investment? So that's the good thing. Go on, execute. What would be some of the things that make you say, "Ooh, I, we don't want to be a part of this"? Yeah, and look, it's hard. To be a founder, it's hard to raise money. It's hard to to build companies. So, you know, any any you know um, feedback that I that I might have is said with a lens of 
immense respect, right? It's like, I wish I could build super successful startups. I can't, so I have to invest in them, right? So, you know, that's the, that's the caveat. Uh, but that being said, some of the things that I've observed um, in, in, you know, the opportunity that I have to, to meet so many companies are that, you know, things don't go well when companies try to um, blur the actuality of the business where maybe the story isn't as good as a founder would want it to be. And there's just not transparency about what the realities of the company are. It doesn't make for a good situation. You don't want investors coming on board when they don't have clarity on what you're trying to achieve or what the current state of the business is. It just usually doesn't wind up with, with a good result. So I would encourage more transparency, even if the reality is not, you know, it, it's not ideal or not what you would want it to be. It's much more, it's much better to just be transparent with what the reality of the business is today and find the right investor for you because it's, there's plenty of capital out there looking for opportunities to, and you know, with, with that capital, a lot of unique experience, finding the right investor for any certain situation is, is, uh, is usually an, an advantageous um, situation. So I would say, you know, more and more transparency and then, you know, that sort of extends to to another thing that, that we see a lot of time, which is over-raising or trying to push for uh, you know a higher valuation than you know what what the current company or the market might justify. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we see some of this done for vanity reasons or just because you know there are investors in the market who have you know who are willing to have a little bit we'll call it maybe less financial discipline, uh, write bigger checks, underwrite, you know, riskier situations, but it, it, you know, taking a little bit more dilution, finding the right investor and finding a relationship with, with that investor that is going to bring something of value for the business to the table is, is a much better scenario than just, you know, taking, taking the highest valuation and, you know, raising as much money as, as possible. Sometimes that's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, very often, uh, I, I think it's a bit of a trap for founders. Well, yeah, super good advice. So as we wrap up here, what advice would you have for early stage companies who are looking to seek investment, about ready to go out and start having these conversations? What would you tell them? So, you know, I think, I think um, one, one of the best stories for a company to tell an investor is actually not what the company's management can tell you about the product. It's actually what the customers can tell you. And and obviously different companies are at different stages and getting customers are hard, but getting feedback from customers is something that is generally not as hard as selling. So if you can supplement your story uh, for why a market is interesting for why your product is really great with and here's what five customers have told us about this comp- the, the product that we're building and their willingness to buy. Or here's what our customers tell us about when they use our products and the difference it has made in the way that we operate, in the way that we they, it has changed our behavior. Before we used to do things one way, now we do things another way. Having that customer feedback along with all the other aspects of the story around the company is just a differentiator. Right, it is something that will set you apart from you know many of the companies that are 
kind of going through the fundraising process. And it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world, but I will say that is one thing, you know, getting to observe and participate in product development uh, with, with a large corporation like Thomson Reuters and observing and working with the companies in our portfolio and, and the startups, the good startups do this. And, you know, the product teams at TR, we are, they are very much customer centric and, you know, building great products. We've seen it up close and, you know, build so much credibility and trust from a brand perspective. So yeah, my, my advice would be when thinking about your fundraising process, think about bringing the voice of your customer to the forefront of, of that pitch. That's amazing advice. And it echoes exactly what I teach my clients as well. Stories, success stories of your customers sell and get more customers. Well, it's the same thing for investment. If you're showing success stories, if you're showing that people absolutely love working with you, love the product, it's going to work really well. So that is awesome advice. And I'm really glad that you came on to share it, Joe. This has been amazing. Guys, he's Joe Dormani from Thomson Reuters Ventures. Joe, how can people learn more about you and Thomson Reuters Ventures? Yeah. So easiest way is to check Check me out on LinkedIn. I try and post on uh, on a regular basis. Uh, so you can just look me up, George Armani, on LinkedIn. And then we have a website, trventures.com. You can check out what we're doing, what we're investing in, and how we think about prioritizing companies that we engage with. Perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes. So if you're listening, you'll be able to grab it there. But Joe, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. You don't want to miss any other amazing leaders like Joe coming in and sharing all of their best advice with you. So hit that subscribe button right now, and then we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallach.com.